listen in. It's time to talk about transitions into management positions or internationalization in exotic destinations. We could parlay over testing and progressive applications or talk relationships, but mainly please don't leave for other stations. There are many fun and pretty useful things to know. You might even learn some on the Angular Plus show. Fidelity is more than just financial services. We're a global fintech leader and we're hiring technologists with a passion for data and a desire to change the world. Find the cutting edge tech that you'd expect at a startup, plus the funding and long-term vision to move your projects from concept to reality. If you're a technologist looking for a career where what you do matters, check out Fidelity's open roles today at tech.fidelitycareers.com. So for probably about five years, I fully believed that my friend Cameron had a, so my husband told me he had a podcast and it was okay. about magic. It was about magic. Oh, cool. And I'm like, I love oh, magic. Like, yeah. Like press the digitation. Right. Um, and so, and then I didn't really think much about it until, you know, a few years later and we were at the comic book store and he was like, oh yeah, Cameron's hosting a game day in there for magic, the gathering. And I'm like, Oh, that's when the light bulb went off. It's this about podcast. magic the gathering. <laughs> yeah. And then I really started to think about like, how did I honestly believe that there could be a podcast dedicated to like magic, magic like, like magic shows. Right. And so I loved kind of imagining like he would be like, hello, and welcome to the magic podcast today. Today I'm wearing a purple velvet cape and a top hat with stars. They are silver sequins. And now I am laying out my cards. And what you can't see here is that, you know, like you'd have to keep explaining <laughs> what, you <can't> see. Yeah. <laughs> what you can't see here is, is this. And so, yeah, you know, like I just running through my head, like all of the things that you really can't do on a magic podcast podcast i yeah. feel like i would be a really good ma magician on a magic podcast because i could do yeah. whatever i want right, right i mean right. i'll be like okay and tomorrow i will be sawing myself in half right what is that i mean there's no proof right, right? all you can do is you just hear me sawing myself and you can be like, like hello okay, and I'm i finished i'm i'm brian's lovely assistant i can confirm brian is indeed in two pieces is indeed in half that's right <laughs> i can see his liver magic <laughs> it's magic it's just magic <laughs> if yeah, you'd like to see a picture it's online you know <laughs> laura there could be a whole market for this i mean maybe this there is untapped be. i mean think about right. all the magicians out there that would just love a magic podcast Right. And I think that like, I would tune into a magic podcast that was just literally people describing their stage outfits, you know, like mm. the pants, they're skin tight, they're red spandex. There's a rainbow stripe running down the left leg on the right leg, a pocket. What's that pocket for? I'm not going to tell you it's magic. I won't tell you. <laughs> it is not where I have my cards hidden right. in, in this pocket. There is nothing. I wasn't pocket, supposed to fact. talk about the pocket. Uh, so forget that I said that. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, yeah. you could have a magic podcast where you like disclose all your magic tricks, though. You're not supposed to do that, right? I mean, yeah. that would be kind of like, 
faux pas for a mad you'd have to do podcast. it with like the voice like you know like your voice you had to get the, 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 like, the <laughs> that was me like in the 90s voice. when you call in for the police or whatever yeah yeah well there's a, a pocket in his pants that's how he does that trick <laughs> the ace is in there we know we know it's there um so i think i'm glad to hear your friends podcast is on magic the gathering though because i yes. imagine there's probably more listeners than a oh magic yeah podcast. he's got a fairly like large listener group like several thousand people listen to his podcast um i'll put it in the show notes in case you indeed are more interested numbers. in a magic the gathering podcast as opposed to magic the prestidigitation podcast so yes so yeah yes. and and in some ways though, you- i feel like it Oh God. I, like, I feel like it's kind of like our podcast, right? Like sometimes we like, we're like, and it, as you can see here in the code, well, you can't see here in the code. <laughs> Trust me. It works. Okay. It works, it works on my machine. It's working That's on like my machine. like proving a magic trick. <laughs> right. Um, right. Well, I think you need to subscribe to your friend's magic podcast, listen to it, and then report back to us, Laura, what you've learned. I will do that. And I'll, I'll, I will encourage him to maybe start describing his outfits. <laughs> I'm wearing a flannel. I can't imagine the listeners are going to be interested jeans. in that. But, My t-shirt says. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, too fun. All right. Well, welcome back to the Angular Plus show, uh, where app developers of all kinds share their insights and experiences. I'm going to be your host today, uh, Brian Love. And with me is my co-host, Laura. And we also have a guest, uh, Alisa. Duncan, did I say the last name correctly? Yes, you did. All right. Uh, Alisa, you're a full stack developer and a community builder. Uh, you really love the thrill of learning new things. You're an Angular GDE, a women tech maker ambassador. You co-organize the Angular KC meetup and you do lots of other things. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and welcome to the show. Hi, yes, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I think uh, you covered it pretty well. I love uh, learning things. I'm a senior developer advocate at Okta, which means that I get to learn as part of my full-time job, which is fantastic. And I also get to community build as part of my full-time job, which is even better. Um, so cool. I get to um, help you know, organize the Angular KC Meetup. I get to volunteer for women in tech groups and also create content as an Angular GDE. And um, it's just honestly living the dream. So tell us a little bit more about Okta. I have heard of Okta, and I think a lot of people probably heard of Okta's now, whatever, uh, Auth0 was acquired by Okta, so I don't know what that relationship exactly is now, but tell us a little bit more about what Okta does and what, uh, what kind of platform you're supporting on a community basis. Sure. Yes, you bring up a, a very interesting uh, um, relationship with Auth0. Okta did acquire Auth0, and uh, both companies are in the identity space. The okay. difference is Okta is generally um, for like enterprise customers. Yep. So it's larger, um, more, if you have like really, really large organizations, while Auth0 really targets the, uh, the science market. So like the customer identity side, um, we work hand in hand with the Auth0 um, team and with the Auth0 Zero developer relations group. So, and we're just really kind of uh, uh, building out that relationship as we go. 
this year we've started some uh, joint um, like working at conferences together and meeting up at conferences together, which has been really great. One, that we get to go to conferences in person this year. Uh, that's a big, big plus, but that also we get to see our new coworkers. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of work on the Okta side of things. I think we've had in the past, we've had some folks from the Auth0 uh, kind of DevRel community on here. We've had Sam Julien on the podcast in the past. And we've also had Anna Sider. I'm trying to remember how to pronounce her last name. Forgive me yes. if I get it wrong, Anna. Um, but we had her on the podcast as well, I think, in the last year. So to the listener, if you're interested, check those episodes out. Uh, none of those are talking about security, though. We kind of talked about Sam's transition into leadership. And Anna talked a little bit more about like community building and how to organically build communities um, through her network and uh, all of that. Um, so... Uh, Okta it does identity management. It's more the enterprise side of things. I think uh, Okta paid like a cool, what, 6.5 bill for Auth0. So just a little bit of chump change kind of brought them in. Um, and so now you kind of are a senior developer advocate at Okta and you do things related to, tell us a little bit more about what you do in that role, I guess. Well, my role specifically is to help educate developers about identity and um, access management, Okta authentication and to help them succeed in using Okta. So hence the uh, writing a post about it, speaking about, about it, and by it, it could be a variety of things related to security, identity, um, things like that. Very cool, very cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Um, you're gonna be a speaker at NGConf, is that right? I am, I, <laughs> I'm still in disbelief, but yes, I am. That's awesome. Yeah, I know That's that feeling. Exciting. Yeah, you're like writing, you're, you're at that stage where you're like, what did I just say I would do? And now <laughs> exactly. how do I do it? So yeah. yeah, pretty soon you'll be in the, I'm going to give this talk to myself in the car every time I get in the car phase. So yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to, to that. <laughs> it helps a lot. It really turns out your brain and your mouth are very rarely connected when you try to speak publicly. So you have mm -hmm. to really build that relationship like any other relationship. <laughs> like, hi, Bray, meet my mouth, right? Yes, that's, exactly. that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. So uh, what's your talk about at NGConf? I'm really excited to hear you talk, but tell the people. Yeah, so my talk is going to be about uh, web security and Angular and how Angular is like this cozy safety blanket that you can just snuggle up to because it's got your back. Ooh, that sounds nice. Is it like I mean, a heated sounds... blanket? Is it weighted? What are we talking oh, about? Is it down? So, yeah, soft? it's fluffy. It's soft. It's just, it's fuzzy. It's so comforting. Yes. <laughs> sounds fantastic. <laughs> we should update the logo. Instead of a shield, it should be just like a nice cozy blanket. <laughs> totally. I'll put a PR in for that. Sounds good. The, the quilted logo. It's just like the we quilted put some logo. Like quilting in there. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, uh, but that's really awesome. So tell us a little bit more about um, uh, security in general with Angular. And I, you know, I think one of the things that maybe is a bit of a misconception, and maybe we could talk a little bit about that, is uh, I think for some of us, maybe we think that security is kind of a back-end problem, right? It's like, well, the debate of the database, uh, that's like, that's on them, uh, you know, securing the servers and dealing with all of that, like, that's all on them. Like, all I need to do is just get like some token and pass it back and like, boom, done. Like security is, I don't really need to worry about that, right? 
Um, so can you kind of dispel that myth for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, security firm, it's actually your entire stack, your whole entire stack, every single bit of it. And that includes your front end, that includes your back end, that includes your web server, or whatever you might be hosting on, that includes your database, your persistence layer. It's the whole thing and everything has to work hand in hand because you know those hackers, those uh, I like to call them troublemakers, those troublemakers, they, man, they're clever. And man, they are so singularly dedicated to trying to, uh, to bust through your application, right? And which we as developers, we're so busy writing, creating new features, writing new products. Like we've got a lot on our hands, but they're singularly focused on trying to break through. So um, it, takes, it takes everybody's uh, effort to try to keep things secure. Definitely. What are some of the like easy mistakes a person can make in front-end engineering with identity and permissions? So I think there's two different things. Uh, in identity and permission, I think the, the easiest thing to get caught up into is not guarding, like not having uh, good access control, right? Um, you have to be able to test against different, if you have different permission sets or if you use uh, different trying to think of how not to get into the weeds here with like right, right. OAuth Please concept. demonstrate some code. But, you type some right. code and we will review it for you on our exactly. podcast. <laughs> It'll be like magic. It'll be yeah. just like magic. That just looks amazing. Like <laughs> but I think that's a really easy way for uh, people to, um, to have holes in their application is when we're writing the feature, of course, we want to be able to test it, right? Make sure it works. But it's not always easy to remember, ah, but person B shouldn't be able to access this or shouldn't be able to, to do this action. So um, I, think, I think that's a really easy place where developers get caught up. And it's also a place where, um, unlike many of the cozy security blanket, you know, fuzzy, warm, comforting parts that Angular has, it is a specific part where the developer, the front end developer has to do work. So you're mm -hmm. not immediately guarded. So I think that's an easy place to get, get into holes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that it's easy um, if you're not really thinking security to take for granted that everything in Angular is just on the machine. Like it's, it's just sitting there and if you, send it back to the API and the API just trusts that nothing has changed about that. That's a very naive assumption, right? That, uh, you know, like, like I've said it before, Margaret in accounting might not know how to do that, but if Margaret gets up from her laptop and leaves it open and Margaret's niece is over and Margaret's niece just happens to fancy themselves a hacker, like then we might run into problems, right? Or even a coworker or whatever. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you touched upon a great point that the back end can't trust anything the front end sends, right? They have to do its own guard and own checks and uh, everything as well. So we all know we can hit F12 and look at network requests, look at uh, um, just about anything we want. So the, the back end also has to be just as guardful as the front end. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So from like an Angular perspective, we know that we have this thing called route cards as part of the Angular router. And I think what you're talking about is maybe how we implement those route cards is something that we need to be careful about, right? 
Correct. So it would just it would be uh, uh, route guards. Um, it would be um, maybe it's different structural directives that you might have if you're not supposed to see something. It could be mm -hmm. simple as an NGF. It could be something custom. But yeah, definitely mm -hmm. all those sort of things play into um, access control. Gotcha. And speaking of access control, I think one of the things that you mentioned on your ng-conf talk is that you were going to be kind of referring to the OWASP top 10 list of 2021. Um, can you tell us, like, what is OWASP and what is this top 10 list? Can you give us a little bit of a teaser on what you're going to be talking about? Sure. So the OWASP group is a organization that solely focuses on, um, on identifying web, secure, uh, web security vulnerabilities and then um, okay. like listing out the occurrence, the, uh, how often they occur and things to think about. They do mm -hmm. this um, research periodically. So the last time they had it was in 2017. So they have a new list out in 2021. And okay. they identified the top 10 most common vulnerabilities in, um, in web applications. And that could be spas as well as more the traditional style web app. Yep. And access control is one of the top, uh, broken access control is one of the top uh, items on that, uh, on that list. Mm -hmm. There's other ones as well. Um, and they include a sort of injection attacks, uh, mm -hmm. such as uh, cross-site scripting. Yep. Other sorts of injection attack, which includes uh, cross-resource uh, cross, uh, uh, what is that? CS, CRS? Oh no. Cores. Cross site cores. request CRS. forgery. Yes, cross site request forgery. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Not cores. <laughs> Not cores, but cores is used to help mitigate. Related. CSRS. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Yep. yeah. All these acronyms. So, uh, exactly. Yes. <laughs> All these acronyms. So there's, uh, there's several that's on there, and I'll be focusing on the um, probably like the top three, top three or four. I think okay. one of them is uh, uh, like broken cryptographic. Something we're not going to get into the weeds about about that. With, what is uh, that? Like, that sounds like are we talking cryptocurrency? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's about uh, using um, not using SSL, not using uh, or using old uh, date oh. certificates, using old outdated uh, cryptographic techniques, so, which I will so not be not getting into the weeds about. Yeah, not the, exciting the, stuff. Not so exciting. not yeah, crypto. The, the website. Right. The website says it's a broad symptom rather than a root cause. So it's probably just uh, generally not using best practices and following uh, safe, safe habits. One thing I'm noticing about this list, cause I'm looking through this and uh, early on in my career, um, I was the only developer at the uh, company I worked for. And my IT director gave me two talks to go to, which is always go to security talks, always go to code smells talks. So I did that. And oh, so interesting. I, oh yeah, a wasp has been on my radar for a long time. And this is, this is really an interesting update to this list because I, for the, really honestly, the first time ever like injection has finally slipped from number one, because I think we used to write a lot of our apps, um, were more backend apps, uh, more like .NET type apps or, um, you know, apps that would do and like pause. a full post back and 
multi-page applications. I call them MPAs yes. now, by the way, Lara. So it's yeah. really spas. Okay. I've come yeah, up yeah. with a new acronym just to throw more acronyms at the listener. Nice. So instead of I've, a single-page application, you're talking about multi-page applications or exactly. Yeah, MPAs. And so I just heard yeah. pause, and I'm such a good listener. I'm like pause, and I was just gonna stop talking. Pause. <laughs> pause. All right. Start again. All right. And so, yeah, like previously the list, I feel like was a lot more focused on apps that were written that way. And this seems like it's actually finally been updated to reflect a lot of the uh, applications that are out there written in JavaScript, written for the browser, where a lot of that logic happens in the browser. So Mm -hmm. um, that's, I'm excited about this. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I could see the same thing. I'm, I pulled up the, the list, the actual list in front of me now, and uh, I could definitely see that uh, that viewpoint. Absolutely. Do you know how they determine this list? Do you know what the kind of the strategy is? I wonder how they come up with this. It's interesting. I think that they test X number of applications and very ambiguous x number of applications and they look at the number of occurrences of each got it and i don't know how large the sample is and this is all like just based off of my very quick glance reading like looking at each one of the um mm-hmm. digging into each one of the list items they mm-hmm. say like x percent have this problem x percent have this problem so i'm like oh maybe that's how they how they determine that but i am not on oh i see yet, that so yeah got it yeah, yeah. So it says 90% of applications were tested for some form of broken access control, but we were talking about kind of here in the beginning. So that's a pretty high percentage. So mm-hmm. 94% of applications, somehow I'm able to kind of bypass these access control checks. And in the application as a user, now I'm able to do things that I shouldn't be able to do. Correct. You're able to do things you shouldn't be able to do, or perhaps see things you shouldn't be able to see, right? And oh, again, yeah. like or access looking that at data. that uh, um, network tab or um, mm-hmm. hitting F12 and you just <laughs> somehow put everything in, in maybe a, mm-hmm. a, a hidden div or something like that. I don't know why you do that, but let's say you did. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen some stuff, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, it happens. We're very creative yeah. individuals. You know, I think, I think being a code author is a creative thing. And it's amazing how creative we get. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, I remember I'm looking through some of these broken access control. And I I remember attending a session from uh, someone who worked for Okta. I cannot remember their name. It's been a few years. Uh, It was pre-pandemic. So we all understand that I, that might as well be like, BC times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember specifically like how easy it is to sort of write a jot that's not really doing what you think it's doing. Um, because they, you know, a jot is three pieces, right. And I can't, I think it was, I would have to go back and remember, but there's one piece where if you just set this one property the wrong way or forget to set it, it basically makes it your jot easily manipulatable and manipulatable. I don't know how we'll just, you know what I'm wearing, what word I'm trying to say there, but yeah, yes. I, I think mm-hmm. there's some very easy mistakes that you can make, um, just naively. And so that's where I think it's really good to kind of, tr- that's why I've always put my trust in companies like Okta or Auth0, um, because this is literally their job, right? So exactly. I mean, as I said, we're all 
we're all developers. Our money, like the way the way we get money is to produce features for our products, right? Not mm-hmm. to worry about something that most people would take for granted, which is it's well, of course it's built on a secure foundation. That's that's not what they're paying for. They want the features. So um, we should let people who for whom that is their job to think about security, do that. We actually have, we as an, on, on our Octa DevRel team, we had had swag that said, friends don't let friends roll their own off, right? And that's <laughs> yes. exactly true. <laughs> so yes. definitely want to use uh, uh, Okta or Auth0 or another well-known identity provider. You want to use, um, ideally, I would say, uh, you'd want to use uh, OAuth2 with OIDC uh, as your like, authentication mechanism, which you're going to get out of the box if you use a, a product like Okta, and mm-hmm. use libraries that are certified for those, Yeah, which definitely. Angular has some uh, that you can choose from uh, that is OIDC certified, which is wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah, I love just having a library that you can really trust and um, you know, it's widely used and, you know, yeah, having a whole team of people being like, oh, hey, this is something we've identified as a potential vulnerability. We're going to go in and work to patch that and make that like, I don't have time for that. Like, I'm still like, you know, trying to put localization in my app or, you know, fix those unit tests, whatever. Right. Like I have other concerns on my plate every day. And so knowing that there's a whole team of people behind that, um, yeah, like I can't imagine rolling my own. It would be, it would be like a Rube Goldberg machine of uh, like, it would only be security because it would be so complicated to understand what the heck I was trying to do. Right. Right. <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and those hackers, once again, they're, man, they're singular, they're singular focus and have the time to try to try to poke holes. Right. So, you know, they'll yeah. find something just because they're dedicated. Yeah, they're patient. To it. They're fishers, yeah. right? Like, they will literally just cast a web and see what comes back. And exactly. Yeah. So, um, related to the top ten list, uh, so if I'm an Angular developer, what uh, and, and kind of back to your ng-conf talk, what are some ways in Angular? So we've talked about route guards already, and we talked about kind of broken access control. What are some, What are some other ways? that Angular maybe has my back or things that maybe I need to kind of be concerned about as an Angular developer when it comes to some of these security vulnerabilities that are pretty common? I think the big way Angular has your back just right off the bat is helping guard against prospect scripting. And that is a form of an injection attack, right? So I think a classic example might be uh, you're on some site that takes user comments, which you should never read the comments probably of any site, but it takes the user comments and somebody adds, let's say script tag alert or, you know, steal cookies or whatever, right? So alert boo, right? Um, or document.cookie. And um, they send that to the site, the site saves it. And then the next person who uh, looks at that site gets an alert that says boo or sees their cookies, or worse yet, right. grabs mm-hmm. their cookies, sends it to someplace else, right? So right. that's mm-hmm. a, a classic example of a, uh, um, of a XSS or cross-site scripting attack. 
Angular protects us by having these built-in mechanisms with the, um, when you add that, that comment back into your site, Angular automatically escapes it or sanitizes it for us. So if you use interpolation, mm -hmm. it automatically escapes it. So what you're going to see actually in text is alert or script alert. The code. Right, yeah. the code. Yep, exactly. Oh, and I should point out, so uh, with this example, the, the problem that you, the reason you have this problem, the well, websites have this problem, is because they let values or data become polluted with code, right? With, with code that you can run. So, mm -hmm. but Angular will escape that for us. So we just see the text, it's no longer runnable. And, and if you needed to use, uh, um, let's say binding, for some reason you needed to add it to your like inner HTML, you need to bind it there. For some reason that might happen, then it automatically sanitizes it for you, which means it strips out all of the potentially unsafe code and keeps the safe one. So if somebody added, let's say, uh, a tag for strong, this was a great, lovely, wonderful dinner that I had at this place or something like that, you're going to see that in strong uh, font base or a font weight as opposed to uh, um, anything else that they might add afterwards, such as an alert booth. Uh, so that's how Angular automatically covers you. So it treats all values as uh, unsafe and untrustworthy, like in a, it. at a very high nutshell. Um, additionally, Are you able? If, go ahead. I was gonna say, is that something that you can like, if you are like, like, hi, I really don't care about built-in safety features. Can I purposely turn this off? Is you can, you can yeah. absolutely turn it off if you really wanted to. And for some reason, let's say there is an example which you actually need to do this. For example, a mm -hmm. resource URL to a iframe source. Let's say you need to embed, like I've done this before, um, Eventbrite uh, automatically buy a ticket for a meetup or something like that, right? And you want to embed it inside your website. Um, mm -hmm. If you trust the source, you can bypass. And Angular has mechanisms for doing that using the DOM sanitizer uh, class. Okay. And then you can also, if you needed to, explicitly sanitize. So if you did have something that come through. Um, you and, mean like a pipe or something and you want to inject the DOM sanitizer and manually sanitize? You, you can, you can, you can uh, absolutely create a pipe for it. You can also just inject DOM, um, the uh, uh, DOM sanitizer and then uh, call the sanitize method. Mm -hmm. So um, those are two ways that you can, you can bypass it, but yeah, out of the you box, you are gonna get full on security and full on um, protection from Angular. Cool. That's very good to know. So as an Angular developer in general, if I'm, I don't need to worry about like quote unquote, worry about cross-site scripting if I'm using Angular, uh, because it's going to assume that all values are untrusted. Um, and for what it's worth, Angular is not the only framework that does this. Obviously, mm -hmm. like, you know, our cousin React does a similar thing, right? Where it's basically sanitizing that DOM as well. And I think they also have, instead of 
we have like bypass, blah, 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 blah. I think they have dangerously said HTML um, or something like that, um, <laughs> which I gotta be honest, I think I'm more in favor of the dangerously blah, 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 yes. blah. I'm, yeah. I'm not a security professional. And so that really yells at me like, are you sure this is really dangerous? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I see bypass, that you're pasting this code. Are you sure you know what you're copy pasting? Yeah. <laughs> like if I saw on a highway, proceed danger ahead, proceed with caution versus bypass ahead. I'd be like, oh, I like the bypass. That sounds really right, fast. Right. Oh, dangerous. I'll I'm bypass. on my seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, but anyways, to be a little fun and critical. Um, but yeah, so out of the box, Angular, a lot of other single page applications, frameworks, certainly kind of un have this built-in security mechanism for untrusting user input. So that way when we're rendering things to the DOM, we're not inadvertently kind of allowing uh, any sort of kind of cross-site scripting or injection attack to occur. Um, what are, are there other ways uh, that Angular kind of has our back outside of the kind of cross-site scripting injection side of things? Well, if you do, so if you, there's mechanisms you can set up for um, CSRF, so the cross-site request forgery. Mm -hmm. it, it involves the cores, it involves different cookies, and um, mm -hmm. well, it involves uh, different security headers that you might set. But if you okay. do need to, uh, so you, like out of the box, I think you have uh, some measure of protection, but if you do need to pass a CSRF token, which is known, which is one of the patterns to kind of bypass things in which the server side has to check the token and the client passes it in. If you do need okay. to do that, then Angular also has a module in addition to like the HTTP module, you could pass mm -hmm. in the HTTP the XSRF module and that automatically oh. take the, um, the XSRF token that you have mm -hmm. in the cookie and pass it in into the header and of your HTTP request as well so that the server can do that double check on the back end. Got it. So for a lot of Angular developers, they're probably familiar with the HTTP client module because I'm using this to make requests all the time in my services or wherever I kind of have that code live, maybe in NGRX effects or whatnot. Um, so I'm using the client module to kind of do these effects. But what you're talking about is the HTTP client XSRF module, which allows us to yes. kind of configure up these custom cookie or custom headers that I can kind of send back to the server with all of my HTTP requests. Yep, that that is correct. So it's an extra guard. Well, what it does is it takes, um, it, you, obviously you need to have your HTTP um, client module. And what it does mm -hmm. is adds an interceptor to it like in straight Great. up Angular terms. That makes sense. It automatically yep. adds an interceptor to it that, that adds this for you. Very cool. So I don't have to write that interceptor myself. I Correct. could just import this module, give it some configs, and boom, off it goes. It'll intercept those requests and make sure that any sort of necessary header is kind of appended to my requests. Yep, exactly. That's fantastic. I did not know about that. That's awesome. Um, like fastly, quickly reading. I, I know of CSRF, uh, but I can't remember like what the attack looks like like if you're under attack for that what what is it what's happening so for that one what normally happens is you might get a link um to click 
totally not shady. Uh, you might get a click link that, to click, click right? all yeah. the links. So you, so you just, <laughs> click you just feel links. like clicking it, right? So you click <laughs> it and, and let's say what previously you went to that, uh, um, you were at, the, at your bank, let's say, mm-hmm. and you're a trusted organization. You went to your trusted um, bank account. You have already a session created with it. Mm-hmm. If you click on this, this bad link, what it could do is it could take your um, your active session and then perform unauthorized actions against okay. your bank if there's a uh, vulnerability there. So, gotcha. Yeah. Um, the, the upshot is one: don't click on links. But okay. then, if you do, then uh, I think we've I think we've all clicked on a link at some point and been like, oh crud like i can't believe i just did that (laughs) well sometimes they're very cleverly done i mean yeah they are i i literally fell for a phishing attack at one of my old companies i was so embarrassed i had to like i mean in it we sat around and we're just like oh i can't believe these people clicking on these links and i'm like good morning click oh i can't believe i just did that what is wrong with me so yeah i mean even the best of us have bad days where we click the link (laughs) so Yeah, for sure. So in those cases, you uh, you might need to, uh, an application might set up extra CSR controls in addition to the uh, security, automatic security headers that you get with cores and such. So um, mm-hmm. in those cases, Angular has your back as well. Thank you, Angular. <laughs> <laughs> that cozy blanket. I have a question. And Alisa, you can say, I'm not sure this isn't my expertise, but I'm just curious. Is this something, this strategy that we're talking about, is this something that you would recommend for all kind of quote unquote, all Angular applications and backends to kind of go forth with? Or do you think that this, in your example, you talked about like a bank application, like obviously bank application, pretty darn important security wise. Um, where does this kind of fall on that spectrum? Like, should I be looking at this or is this generally like, well, you're probably okay unless you kind of are, you know, healthcare, banking, whatever, right? But if if you're just doing like some sort of e-commerce site, like maybe this doesn't matter. Um, I don't know if you know the answer to that, but I'm just kind of curious, like kind of maybe what your recommendations might be. My recommendation is that you should always think about this and always test and Unless you have a completely static site in which you're just saying like, I live in Kansas City. So you have Beer Fest Kansas City, come join us this weekend. And it's Mm -hmm. just like a one-way static input. You should always be testing against the injection attacks and such. Mm -hmm. And even then, in most cases, you might have a form like contact us, right? And you can Mm -hmm. still, I don't know, you can still expose yourself to something uh, strange there. So it's always good to Mm -hmm. check. And even if you have a static site, there are items on the OWASP top 10 that you should still be aware of, such as using SSL, right? Um, you don't want yeah. to. Right. Uh, yeah. So there's always, there's, there's always some measure of um, security that you should uh, mm-hmm. take and evaluate for sure. Understood. Got it. I appreciate that answer. Um, Okay, so we talked about routing. We talked about some HTTP XSRF protection. Um, what are some other ways, or is that it? Is, are there other things that you're going to talk about at, on your ng-conf talk about um, how Angular has our back? That is the bulk of uh, the what I will be covering. There is some, and I don't really know a whole lot about, uh, about this, but there is a, what's called a... Uh, uh, CFP, 
or um, what's that? A or an RFC, a request for comments, an RFC up on Angular site? No, um, a, a CSP. So it's a content security policy. Oh, oh CSP. Sorry. You can add gotcha. CSP, yeah. yeah. That you can add uh, to, to your request and it's called a trusted types that can okay. help extra guard, <laughs> extra guard against uh, uh, XSS mm -hmm. on top of what Angular mm -hmm. already has. I won't be getting a whole lot into that because it doesn't seem like it is um, applicable across a wide variety of browsers yet. It's just not, um, this is brand new. So, mm -hmm. but there oh, is- Oh, that's right, because some browsers don't support it, right? Don't support it, yeah, so. outside of IE. And we don't talk about IE anymore, but- It's um, dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Outside no of one's IE, using still... it. <laughs> There's still not 100% support, so it's not something I'll talk about a whole lot. But if you okay. if you work on an application that that uh, you can support only, say, with browsers that support trusted types or Chromium-based yep. browsers, then uh, Angular also does have some built-in support for defining those policies. That's right, and I think. I'm going to get this wrong. I don't think this was the last version. I don't think this is 14, but this is a new feature, I believe, if I recall in Angular. Um, I don't remember. They don't say in the documentation what version this dropped in, um, but the trusted type feature, I know that that was part of a recent release. Um, so uh, that's something that you want to take advantage of your, in your application. Um, you do need to be keeping up to date with Angular. So I know that that's... Yeah. Kind of a that is a feature. very good point. Yes, and that's actually one of the one of the top uh, on the OWASP top ten as well. Is you got to update your dependencies. Yeah, and Ooh, that can you know that, that is yeah that is something that can get away from you fast, especially like you miss one update and it's. I mean, I think Angular's Angular can be bad. React, I've I've spent months trying to get all the dependencies up to date in a React app because there's just. There can be so many, but you can have quite a few in an Angular app too. So, yeah, for sure, and especially if you have like we're we're talking about Angular and that and that Angular framework might be easy to upgrade. But if you're depending on other third parties outside of the framework mm -hmm. as well, then yes, mm -hmm. and they have dependencies on other frameworks. I mean, we've had some recent vulnerabilities out there, right? That's uh, in the news. Um, I think. Sadly, uh, mostly uh, uh, affecting the Java world. I'm not picking on Java, it's just it's been in the news recently with uh, um, like the, the Log4j and the, um, right. yeah. another one recently. So mm -hmm. definitely, yeah, keeping up to date. And that absolutely happens um, in the Angular world and the JavaScript world. Yeah, well. definitely. Well, and you know, I think that's where tools like the those the totally obnoxious Dependabot updates and stuff like you can those PRs get annoying to look at, but it's like, if you can kind of set it up so that it's a process that happens all the time, then you're mm -hmm. not, you're not like checking out. Like basically the, the second you're pinned to some version, you are no longer allowing those teams that maintain those libraries to work for you. Now it's mm -hmm. on you. So, um, yeah, absolutely. You should be updating. You should be keeping up with those, uh, with those updates because they will have, um, in many cases, security measures built in. And I think it's also important to, we're talking about pinning dependencies that you don't let versions inadvertently get ahead of you, right? Meaning yes. that yeah. you um, download the latest 
of some dependency or you you set up your um, your npm uh, versioning so that it takes the latest and then accidentally you've gotten something that was that is no longer what you might expect right um, a breaking change comes in or a yeah. breaking change or somebody has uh, um, I know there was that one uh, dependency in which a developer, um, I think oh, he was yeah. blocking was certain this? IPs with, yeah, yeah. with the Ukraine um, thing. And, you, and I think Vue was affected by, I remember seeing that in the news. Um, once again, not picking on Vue, like it just happens to anybody. Uh, so yeah. you want to be careful that you're not, um, that you, you're actually pinning the exact version that yeah. you are, that you've tested, that you know is good. Yes. Right? Yes, I use yes. I use npm. I like npm versus yarn, but I use npm. I always use the npm ci command instead mm -hmm. of npm i yes. command, just to make sure yes. I'm getting that exact version that's in the lock file. Yes. Yep. So, what is the difference between npm i and npm ci? The npm ci, and I believe that ci is supposed to be for like the continuous integration. Um, it's supposed to be using the exact version that you have defined in your lock file. While the NPMI will automatically pull the most recent of whatever you've configured in your package JSON for that version. And that's uh, where like you'll get yeah. developers that put up a pull request and there's a million changes in the lock file and you're all like, wait, no, 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 stop doing that. So right. yeah. Yep, yeah, exactly. And if somebody releases a bad change and they just decided to make it like a, a patch change and you've allowed anything within a minor, then mm -hmm. now, now you're host. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, keeping those, those, uh, I think probably the biggest takeaway that I'm hearing is probably as an organization with an angular application or multiple angular, angular applications, I should probably have some sort of cadence around addressing my dependencies, right? kind of understanding what's going on, updating versions, all of that. And we know that Angular has a pretty good cadence around major updates every six months. And so we should, we should probably have some sort of schedule in our organization that kind of lays that out. And it also helps for planning purposes and whether you're doing like sprints or whatever, to kind of understand that these are things that are, these are chores. Um, and it is a chore to some extent, uh, mm -hmm. but these are things that we should just drop entirely. Um, and then not just from a feature standpoint, but from a security standpoint that I should be making sure that I'm up to date and I'm aware of what's in my application and uh, kind of latest releases uh, to ensure that as things kind of come out or get fixed, um, those get fixed That's in my also application like as well. It's a really great way to sell that to business, right? If you're like, hey, if, if we keep these dependencies up to date, we're helping with our security. But as a developer, right. if we keep these dependencies up to date, I get to new, I get access to the new cool tools, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a win-win. It so, is. Yeah. It is yep. a win-win. But it certainly and comes it, at a cost, right? I mean, you got to yeah, spend time yeah. to go through it and do it and maintain it. Um, but it's a good cost. It's a good price yes. to pay, I suppose. It's good tech yeah. debt. Like it's tech debt for a purpose, not just that kind that feels like you're just spinning your wheels in the mud. So, right. I liken it too. Like it's it's like flossing. Both are good for you. So right. you just need to be right. it needs to be something that we do. You right. heard it here, yes. folks. Yes. Update your Angular apps and floss your teeth. Exactly. Right. Or your, this or show your is sponsored right by 
your local we gotta get a dentist. dental sponsorship a dental podcast but it's only about cleaning the teeth so what you can't see is that i'm getting the plaque <laughs> off of this <laughs> could you imagine you'd have one listener your mom right it's like how do you like, so real good weird. I just love hearing them talk about how good your teeth are. I'm so proud of your brushing. <laughs> but, but let's just also say like, I mean, dental hygienists, the world needs you. We love you. Thank you for what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but don't start a podcast. <laughs> um, Unless it's just like daily affirmations. Like you want to floss. It's good for oh, that's you. That's true. It'd be like a good like Instagram feed, like right. a good like positive yeah. Yeah. Or you'd be like slightly threatening. Like I, we know that you just started flossing last week and that you're trying to cheat and win at the dental hygiene game. Like, cause I know like as an adult, there are times where I sort of forget. And then like that week before I'm like, ah, like super flossing. <laughs> yeah, I, and swear. Like, I swear. And I, I, I know they know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. If uh, I floss two times today, is that going to make up my last week or whatever? Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, there was one, oh, may I say one more thing about uh, updating your policies? Sure. That yeah, is, yeah, I think it's something I should have mentioned earlier. Um, Angular, of course, changes their um, default, their best practices, the recommendation, right? As, as the uh, product has matured, as uh, we use it. So one way in which that has happened is using uh, AOT compilation. And now as it, it realized it was the default and was it V9, but you know, I understand there are some people who yes. haven't been able to update um, mm -hmm. for a while, but using the AOT is, it adds extra, um, extra guard because it does all of that mm -hmm. at compilation time. You're not, it runs all of your uh, um, uh, like sanitization and your escaping code. Like it's, it is, uh, um, it's more secure than using uh, JIT, so. Yeah. And so AOT is ahead of time compilation and GIT is just in time compilation. So, Do you say okay. GIT or JIT? J. I said G because J I thought you said the G. same letter. I was like, it's the same letter. Wait, get? <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought maybe I misheard you. Got it. No, yeah. I store that letter on the same brain cell. It's the same letter. So my alphabet is Makes 25 sense. characters. I mean, in most of the time, it's interchangeable, right? Right. Is right. it a GIF? Is it a GIF or a GIF? I don't know. I So my strategy is to never say that word out loud. Just don't because say it. Then, then nobody knows the what G, I think. The G, we'll just call it the GIF. So make yeah. sure you use JIT and GIFs. And you're, or no, don't exactly. use JIT. Use AOT. AOT. Okay. Use GIT I, for source control if you want to, and AOT for compilation. I think you bring up a really good point, though, Alisa, because I mean, that is important. I mean, there might be old, like if you have an application again that maybe you haven't touched in a while that's on a previous version, and maybe at some point there was some problem you ran into and you like disabled AOT. AOT, you're like, oh, that's fine. Look, it works. Deploy it. We're good. That is a quote unquote vulnerability that I've introduced by using the JIT compiler because it's going to kind of trust, it's going to compile those templates at runtime in the client browser rather than ahead of time kind of during your build process. So that'd be a good double check. Right. So mm -hmm. if you're, yeah. you're kind of going down through this, this podcast episode and listening to us, maybe another thing to add to the list is, oh, are we using AOT? Let's make sure for whatever reason, some flag didn't get switched in our, is that in the Angular JSON file? I think you switch it, or you can also do it as a flag, I think on ng build or something like that. 
Um, yeah. yeah. And so mm -hmm. just kind of make sure that that isn't set so that way you're using ART. So yeah, yep. yeah, that's a great recommendation. Very cool. Uh, so we get to see you at ng-conf. We've talked about that. I'm very yes. excited to like actually start to meet at, um, humans again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so will you be for there? Sure. You get to be there for the whole conference. Um, yeah, will so you have other there. people from your team there with you? Oh, good question. I think, think Zero is a sponsor. And I'm saying mm -hmm. I, okay. I know Zero is a sponsor. So um, yep. I will have uh, some of my Zero teammates. Excellent. And I believe isn't is Sam speaking, isn't he? I think I'm so. Pretty I think sure he's speaking. There's yes. his yep. face. Yes, he is. He is speaking. So that's exciting. Cool. Um, so yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to share with us today? No, I think I think that is I think like just to recap, we have uh, uh, used Angular as is if you can. So don't try to bypass things like just <laughs> it. The, don't uh, be sneaky don't be, unless you got to <laughs> Exactly. Um, just use it as the angular way. It's the good way. Um, the angular building blocks is just about cards, um, directives. They will help you. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, let's see. Oh, update your dependencies. Make sure you flock. Use AOT, right? I think. Floss <laughs> because they know. And I don't roll it. your own security. Always exactly. use a trusted resource like OAuth or Okta or some of the other available uh, identity providers on the market. So, yep, exactly. So how how Very do cool. we like? How can people reach out to you if you if somebody wanted to uh, say hi or uh, reach out to you in some way? What's the best way to do that? Oh, probably uh, on Twitter. You can you can uh, reach out to me and. My Twitter handle is Alisa Duncan. It's very, very original. You've got your own name. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's actually pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I created a, an account a long time ago, and then I just did nothing with it for years. I, <laughs> I at least so you, wish you got that the name, though. Yeah. yeah. A long time ago, I was like, I'm not putting my real name in this thing. And now I'm like, oh, I wish I had because, yeah, then somebody weird always grabs your name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Elisa. I'm super excited to meet you at NGConf. I'm super excited to meet all of our listeners at NGConf. So if you don't have your ticket yet, uh, you can check our website to see if there's they're still for sale. Um, we would love to have you. We would love for you to come speak with us. I know I'll be there. Brian will be there. We'll have a lot of really great, a lot of our uh, previous guests on the show will be there. Um, a lot of our teammates and other colleagues will be there. So yeah, it'll be a great time. And thank you again for taking the time today to join us on the podcast. We love having you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I had a lot of fun. See ya. Well, that's another episode of the Angular Plus Show. Our hosts are Lara Newsom, Jennifer Wadella, Nicole Oliver, and Brian Love. Thank you to our producers, Brianne Smithia and Loyal Carlin, our founders, Joe Eames and Aaron Frost, the entire NGComp team, and all of our sponsors and subscribers for making this episode of the Angular Plus Show possible. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for a future episode, Contact us at theangularplusshow.com slash contact or reach out to us on Twitter at Angular Show. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode of the Angular Plus Show.